0: Welcome to Eye on the Ball. I'm Tim Everett with my good friend Garrett Rance here, and um, we're going to really address a subject that's in his wheelhouse. I can't wait to hear what he has to say about the deceitfulness of wealth. So um, I think we've got some scriptures here. Mark 4, 19, Matthew 13, 22. I recognize Matthew 13 as the parable of the soil. So um, Garrett, um, let's start off by talking about the Christian's relationship to money? And should we treat money differently than the world treats
1: money? Should we treat money differently? Absolutely. Because our tendency when we focus on money, we focus on what the world tells us about money, is that we're looking at a temporal life. We're looking at what money can do for us here and now. Uh, and, And when I say here and now, I mean the entirety of your life, that's still a you know, uh, a vapor in the wind. It's a blink of an eye, um, in comparison to eternity. And so we should treat our money the way that we feel that God would want us to use our money and, and our, our priorities and our focus should be on what his focus and priority is on uh, which we know is on himself. I mean, his, right. his priority is on saving us and us having a relationship with him and worshiping him and you know as far as our role as the church you know we we've been you know charged with what we're to do which is to go into all the world and um if we're not using our money in a way that aligns with that then we're looking at things from a very temporary basis um you know we're looking at this life as as this is it and so i'm going to live it up and i'm going to i'm going to use what makes the world go round to my advantage and and i'm going to use it to gain things um, so that I have a good time and that I have pleasure, and so um, we definitely need to prioritize what God wants us to prioritize when it comes to our money.
0: So we love people, love God, and use money, but in that often the other way around in our life. You know, we we use people to to, to make money. The, um, too, you too know, often. the love of the money is the root of all evil. You, you mentioned the word priorities. I recently preached on Matthew thirteen, and uh, that was my key word was priorities. You know, that we're to prioritize uh, you know, the, you know, the, the soil. Yeah, stole over that from the seed. Okay. Well, good, good. Well, that's, that's great. And, uh, uh, so what, let's, let's uh, talk a little bit more about the priorities of why is it so hard to prioritize the things of God over the things of money, the things of, of man? Um,
1: well, it's that here and now concept. It's hard for us to visualize what an eternity looks like because our brains can't even grasp the concept. We, everything to us has a beginning and an end. And, and so the concept of an eternal being like God uh, just blows our mind. And the thought that we're going to live beyond our lives here, when what we see is we see people's lives end, we don't see it continue on. And so because we can't see it, there's a certain amount of faith that goes into, well, treating your money any differently than than what we can see. And so that's that's the issue that's at, that's at hand, that it's just in our nature to, to not think about eternity.
0: Yeah. To be materialistic. Uh, right. This is a, a daily battle, is it? I mean, I, Absolutely. I, you know, every day I wake up needing to, um, prioritize the things of God over, over money issues. Absolutely. Just, I yeah. mean, if
1: we, if we're being honest, there are days that we are good stewards and there are days that we are not. And that goes yeah. for everybody on the face of the planet. Yeah. So is it all about attitude? No, no, it, it is. It is not. And, and that's where I think that, I mean, I've actually heard that from, pastors that, that say, you know, it's really about your heart. And they're not wrong, but it's not all about your heart. It's also about what you what action you take. What are you really gonna do with your money? Yes, you need to have the right attitude that this is for the glory of God, but you also need to put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, so where your
0: treasures are, that is where your heart will exactly. be. So you make a choice about your treasure. And you know it, it could be that if uh, you know, my my daughter has a scrapbook store. That's not something I've ever been interested in, but suddenly I'm interested in it. Uh, but you know, because our daughter's making her living that way, suddenly scrapbooking does become important to me. So you know that, not a. My heart was not in the subject of scrapbooking, but I've made it a treasure because my daughter's a treasure, and um, so now it does kind of have my heart. So. Um so right. Yeah, it's the treasure. It's it's not just about attitude, it's about action. And actions are what other
1: people see. And so, you know, they can't see our attitude. They can't see our heart behind things. God can. And so you know the pastors that have said it is all about your or or it is about your attitude, they're correct. That is what God sees. Mm -hmm. But what other people see, because they're watching us as Christians, they're watching us. And so that's why I think the actions maybe are more important if we're if we're to win people to Christ they're they're going to be looking at our actions and so when we do things that are irresponsible with our money like getting in over our heads with too much debt like extravagant spending on things that you know you don't need um you, you know that that becomes an issue for some people that becomes a stumbling block and that's one of my biggest arguments mm-hmm. could, you know that that a lot of people have well wealth is not bad that's true wealth isn't bad scripture tells us it's deceitful mm-hmm but wealth itself, money itself is not bad because it's an object. It is about how you treat it. But one of the things that happens is it becomes a stumbling block for some people that don't know Christ. So they look at a Christian and they go, well, that Christians flying on, um, you know, one of his three private jets. That's, an, that's a problem. problem. That's an right. issue. Mm-hmm. Because they go, well, wouldn't it be better if they sold all those jets and gave the money to the poor? Yeah. And we do have that example in the Bible where yeah. somebody didn't care about, that was, mm-hmm. um, uh, was that Nicodemus? Uh, is that right? Am I, I, think so, I I'm so, sure. Yeah. I'm asking the pastor. Uh, I'm catching yeah, him. I'm catching him off guard, him. guard here. Yeah. <laughs> um, Where there was really no concern. There was no true concern for the people. It was It was kind of a, I'm, I'm, I'm better than now, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm better than you are, but it is a real thing because if you, if you spend your life and you spend your, your focus on making and attaining wealth and the things that wealth can buy, then other people are looking at us and they're going, I don't want to be like that because I see them using people. Mm -hmm. I see, you know, and I've heard stories about them and it becomes an issue. And so, um, the way that we treat money need, needs to be handled very carefully, and this is a, this is a sensitive subject. Yeah. Um. You know, and with me being in this business, I have seen money tear families apart. Right. And I'm not talking about a lot of money. I'm talking about uh, not even enough money sometimes to buy a car, and it will destroy relationships. Yeah. You know, forever. Um. You know, and and people end their lives with uh, animosity between them because of a little bit of money. Oh yeah.
0: Families move from the funeral home to the courthouse, (laughs) you know, dealing with money. Uh, About 25 years ago, our our babysitter, our high school girl that babysat our kids, uh, was talking about running an errand for her high school principal that she had a lot of admiration for. And um, as she was driving his car on the errand, she saw his checkbook. And she said, "I know I shouldn't have done it, but I grabbed his checkbook and I looked in the back in the register." And she said, "And it was Bud Licker, Bud Licker, Bud Licker," <laughs> and uh, she's just talking about how disappointed she was. And so, you know, the testimony of um, of a check register uh, that can really show a person where their treasure
1: is. Amen. It's. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's. It's. It's very true. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, is money a test? Um, of our faith, you know, a test from God. I mean, um, sometimes we fail the, the test of not being able to stand prosperity, you know, that God blesses us and, uh, we turn it into that curse you're talking about. Um, so, so what about the testing aspect of money? Yeah, I think
1: that is, that is the exact thing that money is while we're here because it doesn't belong to us, right? If we're, if we're following scripture, the money is not ours. And, um, you know, we have, Um, the, the, the parable, you actually taught on this a few weeks ago, right? The parable of the unfaithful steward, um, you know, where uh, we, we have this idea as a Christian that money doesn't really fit in to everything. It's not really that important. I mean, we can, we can still be rich and make a lot of money and be a Christian too. There's a separation there. And of course that's not the case because when we take the right attitude, we understand that we're just being given the money for a short period of time mm-hmm. and that it is yeah. a test. Um, you know, one of the, I, I listen to John MacArthur quite a bit, um, especially in the middle of the night when I can't sleep, I'll, I'll, mm-hmm. I'm going to put a sermon on you. You'll be glad to know, Pastor Tim, I don't put you <laughs> on in the middle of the night to go to sleep to. So, um, but I, I'll, I'll put on John MacArthur and he's done, a, a few series over the, over the last several decades on, on money. It's, it's obviously not something that, that lots of pastors spend a lot of time on. And I think that that's unfortunate because I think it is such a struggle. Um, but one of the stories that John MacArthur tells about his personal life and, and how much of a struggle it is for him personally, um, he talks about, you know, he's, he's a pastor of a very large church and they they pay him very well. And he has actually asked the church to not give him as much money. And the response of of the elders there was that, no, we're giving you more money because uh, we're going to watch what you do with it. <laughs> so it, it, not only yeah. is it a test from God's perspective, but I mean, it is it is literally how the church judges, you know, what, how good of a steward we are. Mm-hmm. And, um, you, you know, I, th- that really struck me as being such an important thing. And it was it was kind of like John M- MacArthur was saying, don't give me so much money. I don't want so much responsibility, you know, and and then and then the church is kind of firing back and saying, no, you're you're getting it and we're going to watch you with it. And I just thought it was a great relationship between the two because it was such an accountability, you, you know, and, and too often we see pastors that get paid so well and we see them, you know, buying yachts and multiple mansions and, and, and living that way. Uh, and then you see a man like John MacArthur, that's obviously not living that way. And the church has made it very clear. We're giving you this as a test. Yeah.
0: And you know, the verse to whom much is given, much is expected. Um, we have a tendency, I think, here in the West to think of the privileged as other people who make more than we do. But, you know, just compare our income to half the world that makes, you know, less than a few dollars. Uh,
1: yeah, if you live in America, you don't know anybody that's poor. You really don't. I mean, we, we have so much that's available here when we compare ourselves to, to countries like India, um, where there is real poverty and, and, and mass poverty. And there are people that die from starvation. Yeah. You know, and that's not something that we see here uh, I mean, not that there's not an instance here or there, but it's it's pretty rare yeah. right. um and and you're absolutely right. I mean we're all and actually going way back early when I was working with youth, I actually did a lesson on uh, kind of yeah. uh, kind of being silly, but just that uh you know if you were uh, if you lived in America, you were rich period and yeah. and there is a lot of truth to that yeah um and and so i I want. Uh, as a Christian, I always want to have the mindset that money is not mine, that it is a test. And and God is seeing what I'm going to do with it. And also other people are seeing what I'm going to do with it.
0: Amen. Uh, if we're good stewards of our money, what reward do we receive uh, other than, you know, fiscal responsibility that leads to financial blessings, but Um, this idea of God overseeing our life and seeing what we're doing with the resources that he gives to us. um.
1: I'd say the number one thing that we get is a peace from obedience. So when we're being obedient to what God is leading us to do, Mm -hmm. then we get a peace. We know that we're doing right. Um, and some people say, well, if you're given money to help someone and it makes you feel good, then really, isn't it about you? No, (laughs) that's just a piece that you get when you're helping somebody in need. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that's very much what we're called to do. Um, you know, what I would say that you should expect if you're a good steward of what God blesses you with is that instead of getting more money, you're going to get an increased responsibility when it comes to people. And there is scripture that backs that up Mm -hmm. because what does Christ view as, as more important, more money or more people? Yeah. And I think we all know the answer to that. Christ yeah. loves us as people. Uh, money, uh, m- God doesn't need money, you yeah. know, and He doesn't want money, but He wants us. He wants people. And so, I, I think that one thing that you should expect if if you're being a good steward is that you're going to get an increased responsibility when it comes to people. You're gonna you're gonna have an influence over more people when it comes to the gospel. Yeah. Not only do you get that peace, not only do you should you expect that you're going to get more responsibility. Um, But there's also uh, a sense of accomplishment, kind of like I've I've completed the goal. Okay, I was blessed with this amount of money, Mm -hmm. and I finished because I gave this money to this missionary or Mm -hmm. this church or whatever, and there is a fruit that's there. So there's this sense of accomplishment that's there. And that's sort of like peace, but not exactly. And so that's one of the things that I look forward to, um, you know, when I write that check or or when I hit send. Mm Um, you know when I'm when I'm given money to, to missions um, There's a sense of accomplishment. It, it's been fulfilled. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and and that was my job My job is is now not when it comes to that money that I follow through with sharing the gospel My job was to give that money so that that missionary could spread the gospel.
0: Yeah, and you and using your money investing Not just in things. I mean we have a tendency to think that we exchange money for some material thing like a house or a car but um, you know, my gifts are, are becoming more investments and experiences and relationships like a a, car, a gift card to eat out on. You're hoping is helping a couple, you know, grow as a couple and spend time together. So I think you can experience, uh, you can uh, make investments in relationships, you know, oh, with absolutely. your money like you're talking about. Absolutely. I heard about uh, when I was in college, there was a a guy was talking about his Haitian um mate in the dorm that he was in. And he said, I felt sorry for him because he came from such a poor country, and he had so little, but he went home with him uh, one time on college break, and he said, we flew into Haiti, uh, we got on a crowded bus, and it dropped us about three miles from his village. He said, when we got a few hundred yards from the village, the dogs were the first to recognize him returning home, and they ran out, and they were so glad to see him. He said, then the little children uh, saw him, and they ran out, and they were all hollering and hugging him, and... And then finally, you know, he got to the village and, and said everyone in the village came out and said they, they grabbed him and they started throwing him up in the air, you know, and catching him. They were all just celebrating his return. And he said, um, the next college break, I went home, said, you know, my dad was mowing a yard, my mother was ironing, and my little brother was watching TV, playing video games, and, you know, they gave me a light hug and spoke to me, and I thought... Now, which one of us is the wealthiest, you know? There you go. There you go. <laughs> there are multiple passages in the Bible that refer to wealth as deceitful. Help us with that, that idea that money can deceive us. What what what's the deceit of wealth?
1: The first the first deceit that I see as being the most common is the false sense of security. We
0: call money security
1: sometimes, don't we? we? Do. Securities. We do. And um, you know, people think that if they save enough, if they have enough in the bank if they have enough invested to for retirement that they're that they're going to be good. And you know there's there's things that happen in our lives that we can't foresee. You know, for example, you could you could become ill and you use every drop of your wealth to 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 battle the illness. And um you know and and, and some people look at that and they say, "Well, um, but it was worth me saving all that money because if I didn't have it, I wouldn't have been able to fight the illness." And you know it's hard to argue with that. Uh, you know, that is true. Um, but your, your future in terms of retirement is not secure, never has been, and with no amount of money will it ever be because you're not guaranteed that you're gonna be alive. And then the, the other thing that we look at from a security standpoint is, particularly as a man, right? we, we, look, to, we look to money and our, our jobs as, as our ability to provide for our families. And it's never been on us. It's always been a faith thing. It's always been up to God. And, and what happens is always up to him. We have to make good choices. We, we need to be good stewards of what we're blessed with. But it, it does not guarantee that, um, you know, our families are going to be safe from things just because we've done well with making a lot of money and saving a lot of money. Um, and it's kind it, of a it,
0: way that men keep score, too. I mean, you grow up, um, yeah. you know, you're maybe starting out with sports, being competitive, and then that competition moves into our, our work life. And it's and not just men. Women have this
1: as well. A lot of times they choose uh, a partner based on their ability to provide as opposed to their ability to love. Mm-hmm. You know, or as yeah. opposed to their ability to follow and be obedient to the Lord. Okay. And um, you, you know, we, we see that sense of security um, both in men and women. It just kind of looks a little different. Um, the other thing that I would say is that wealth just obviously blinds us from the truth. We, we like to say things to ourselves and to others that, you know, well, money's not really a priority in my life, but then we go work 12 hour days, you know, uh, you know, we work, you know, 60, 80 hours a week and, and, and it's kind of like, well, I, I had to do that. N- no, you didn't. There are other job opportunities potentially. I mean, that, that can't hold true at, at times in our lives, but um, we We like to tell ourselves lies about money that it's that it's not important to us and that we don't like it, and we don't like the things that it can buy. and so it blinds us from the truth and it and that blinds us from you know what our motivation is to do things. Mm-hmm. you know um, are we going to this party with this group of people because we think it's going to change our relationships with our family, or are we going to this party uh, you know or gathering? because we think it's going to help us become wealthier, Mm -hmm. you know, just little things like that, that, you you know, in your, your brain, maybe you don't even think about it, you you know, and instead of going to that party and being accepted and um, feeling good about yourself Mm -hmm. and making business connections, you know, maybe your time would have been better spent ministering to a family, you know, down the road that needs some help. Mm -hmm. And, and so we, we like to tell ourselves that we, we do all of these things for these reasons. But underneath it, there's the love of money that's there um, that each of us has to fight every day.
0: Yeah. And, you know, being claustrophobic by nature, I look to money to buy privacy. You know, you can live in a a, a big enough house where you can have your own room or, you know, have a big enough yard to kind of separate you from you know, neighbors being right next door and, and all this kinds of things, but really, you're using money to separate you from people, and people are what make for a life, and yeah, make us happy, and yeah,
1: you're using money for your own comfort, own
0: comfort, yeah. You know, right. and that's uh-huh.
1: um, that's another thing that we're not guaranteed. Uh, you know, I,
0: it's, I had a it's guy terrific. that was helping me cut a tree, and he lived with his wife and some adult kids and grandkids, and it was just a real chaotic, um, awful. Um, environment you know it was in a very poor house and uh, but he he loved the Lord and uh, the whole time we were working he was talking about the Lord and he kept saying I wouldn't take a million dollars for what I understand you know wh- what I've learned about the Lord is worth more than a million dollars to me And it what a testimony and, know, and that it is. was and, yeah. and I, I, I mean,
1: he was probably very sincere in that. very sincere uh, you know it, and yeah. I, along those lines I would say you know a lot of times we, we equate money with happiness and I hear people make comments like yeah Money doesn't make you happy, but it sure does make it easier. Well, yeah. yes and no. It doesn't make it easier for you to be obedient. Yeah. Um, it may make your it may make you more comfortable, but it doesn't make life easier, yeah. and it doesn't guarantee you you know anything.
0: A lot of times, the rich kid is the pitiful kid, the one you feel sorry for.
1: You know, you absolutely. Know. All
0: right. Um, so, how do we combat these problems?
1: How do we? There's a good possibility that what you've been taught about money from pastors and other teachers is wrong and you need to just disregard any of that and you need to get in the word for yourself and read what it says and if you do that i don't think that anybody's going to walk away if they're being honest with themselves and they're being honest with what they read um that that money is a good thing universally it can be good it is a good tool um, when used correctly and you're you're a good steward it can be a good tool for spreading the gospel Um, but it's obviously not universally been used that way in the Christian community. And so I, and and I think that, that is a result of just who we are as people and our own flaws, but it's also been a result of false teachings that, um, that money is automatically good. And if you're, if you've got a lot of money, then God's blessed you. No, God's tested you. (laughs) God hasn't blessed you. He has tested you. The question is, did you fail the test? And I think that that's true for a lot of us yeah. at lots of periods in our lives. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to fail the test anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I've failed in the past. Mm-hmm. And, and I may fail again in the future, but I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be a good steward of what God blesses me with. Yeah. And I want his priorities to be my priorities. Mm-hmm. And that leads yeah, into yeah. the second thing, which is aligning our hearts with God's through prayer. Yeah. And, um, you know, this is, some, this is not something that you can spend your way out of. Yeah. This isn't mm-hmm. something that you can give your way out of. You have to pray your way out of this Mm -hmm. and out of the mindset that money is of the utmost importance. Um, and that, um, if we just do certain things with our money that we're, we're automatically going to be blessed with more. Um, you know, there's, I've heard from numerous individuals that, well, if you tithe, which you got to and you give offerings, well, God's just going to bless you beyond what you could ever imagine in terms of how much money you're going to have. Like God owes you. Right. Um, and, and that is certainly not the case. You know, the other thing that uh, we've got to do, so that's that those, those things kind of go with our mental aspect, our attitude with money, and then the next two things really have to do with the action part of this. So we need to get our hearts right through prayer. We need to read God's word and know what it says, um, but we've also got to, to spend differently and save differently. Should we be saving for our retirement? Now, that's a question that you need to ask yourself and not just automatically assume that you should be um, you know, we're not guaranteed retirement. Um, I, I do, I do believe that you need to have an emergency fund. You need to have some savings, but you also need to have an opportunity fund that is there specifically for, uh, when you encounter people and you have need that, that have needs that you have the ability to give to them. Um, and, uh, you know, unfortunately I see a lot of Christian, uh, teachers specifically on the topic of money, um, that really prioritize accumulating more wealth when we're told in the Bible not to store up for ourselves treasures here on earth, Mm -hmm. they're just completely disregarding that scripture because it's not what they want and it doesn't fit along with their business model. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that's really sad that, that something is ignored as, as big as that. And so you've got to have different actions in how you spend your money. You've got to have different actions in how you save your money. And then I, I would say that if we take on the attitude that how we spend money is an investment, it's always an investment, not just what you think of as investments, but everything is an investment. Like you mentioned earlier, when you give somebody a gift card um, and you tell them that y'all y- y- go on a date, you're investing in their relationship. When you give a, a, a missionary a gift, um, you're investing in spreading the gospel and supporting that missionary and, and their choice to follow God in, in, into missions and into, into other countries uh, or, even con- or even here in our own country. It's an investment, and it's an investment in your eternity, not in this earth. And so when we think of the mindset that we're going to invest eternally as opposed to investing temporarily, Mm -hmm. when you're investing in your retirement, you're investing in this world. When you're investing in a yacht, you're investing in your comfort. When you're investing in a private jet, you're investing in your comfort and convenience and status. When you're investing in a missionary, when you're investing in uh, a couple's relationship, when you're investing in a child coming to know the Lord, you're making an internal investment. And, and so uh, you can't do both. You can't do both. You can't, I mean, the yacht that you just bought isn't funding missions, you know? <laughs> yeah. And and so you can't do both. That that block of money was just used for, for temporal means and not eternal means. Amen. And so, you know, you've got to pray about it. It's got to be a conviction on you. Um, but you're going to have a hard time convincing me that your private jet is glorifying the Lord when it could have been used differently. Um, You can try. I welcome those of you that can afford to buy your own private jet or yacht. I welcome you to call me and convince me of how that glorifies God. Uh, I've welcomed the conversation. But for me personally, I know that that's a temporal investment and not an eternal investment.
0: Yeah. I hear people say you can't take it with you. What if you... Did convert all of your material blessings into gold and carried it into heaven with you, and found out that it's just street pavement up there. You know? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, good, Garrett. Um, this is very, very helpful. We hope um, to the audience this has been helpful to you to keep your eye on the ball. Uh, we believe the the ball is God's word. Amen. Uh, we hope that um, this has helped to um, you to see clearly, see more clearly on this very important topic. So, thank you for being with us. God bless.